Good morning, everyone. Are you glad to be here today? Yes. Yes, Stephanie, thank you. And Candace, thank you. We look forward to what God's going to do through MOPS and continue to do through the amazing ministry of the Open Door Mission. How many of you know that God's church is not a building? God's church is a people. It's a people. And, uh, and the Open Door Mission is, is God's church. It's God's people coming together and, and doing what Jesus asked us to do, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit those who are sick. It's, it's the gospel. We are doing the gospel. We are bringing about the good news of the kingdom to, to those in our city. And uh, what great opportunities in front of us. So take advantage of those, we pray. Uh, this morning, I want to preach to you a message entitled, Who Are You Following? Who Are You Following? And I want to take you on my personal journey of following Jesus. And maybe you've heard this before, but uh, I pray that it'll encourage you um, again. Uh, I grew up in a home that was, we were very close to religion, but I think we were far from Jesus. Uh, there was uh, a lot of church attendance, but uh, very little transformation that was taking place in our lives and in my life. And um, the message that I heard when I went to church, if I could summarize it, it sounded something like this. The message I heard every Sunday was God is good and you are bad. So stop it. How many of you heard that message? Right. God is good. You are bad. Now stop. And so that's what I tried. I tried to stop my sin. I tried to stop lying. How many of you know boys know how to lie? Little sneaky boy. I was a liar. I was filled with rage and anger as a young boy. Uh, I was filled with lust and I tried to stop my sin. I tried to get rid of my sin and I worked very hard of, at it, but I couldn't get rid of it. And I couldn't get rid of the shame and the guilt that came with my sin. And it seemed like the harder I tried to be good, the farther my sin would push me away from Jesus and the more desperate and guilty and shame filled I became. And then at age 16, I was invited to a different church. And it was a church a lot like Good News Church. And I walked in with my friend and I sat, you know, in this area right over here. And I had never been in a church like this before. And people were raising their hands and singing and they were going after God. They were crazy. How many crazy believers we have here this morning? They just loved Jesus. And I never met people who loved Jesus so much. And I never met people who were really different, like really changed by Jesus. And I was attracted to that. I became hungry to know this Jesus. And so I came week after week after week after week to discover what this thing is all about. And on Easter Sunday, it was 1986. I was 16 years of age. I came in. I sat in the service in this area over here. And I began to, I began to just, just sense God's presence and God speaking to me. And he spoke to me during worship and he spoke to me again during the sermon that day. And I heard God by the Holy Spirit say to me, if you'll give me your life, I'll give you mine. If you give me your life, I'll give you mine. And I said the two most powerful words I've ever said in my life. And I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
And in that moment that I said, yes, Lord, something supernaturally happened on the inside of me. The guilt, the shame, it was gone. And the old wall was gone and the new wall had come. And God described what this new experience was through a prophet named Ezekiel. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel, and it's chapter 36, verse 26. God described what happens when we say yes. He said, I, God is saying this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart or from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And then God said this, and I will put my spirit, capital S, I will put my spirit in you and I'll move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So the old Walt didn't have to try to do the right thing anymore because the new Walt had this spirit of God living inside of him. And the Bible says that when God puts his spirit, capital S, himself inside of you, the spirit within you moves you to follow Jesus in a way you could never follow him before. He moves you, the spirit of God in you moves you to follow Jesus and to obey him and to love him and to say yes, Lord, to him. And that was the beginning of an incredible walk with the Lord. And those two words, yes, Lord, really sum up my spiritual journey of following Jesus. Since 1986, I've been saying as best as I can. As God's help, with God's help, I've been saying yes, Lord, to whenever the Spirit of God speaks to me. Three months later, after I got saved, um, I began to hear about this, this experience with the Holy Spirit called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the, the, the being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was confused at first because I knew I had the Spirit of God living in me. But now I'm reading in the book of Acts that God wants us to have another encounter with the Holy Spirit, a baptism of filling and overflowing of God's spirit in our life. And before I even completely understand it, you know what I said? Yes, Lord, I'll have some of that. (laughs) And God filled me with his Holy Spirit. At age 17, the spirit spoke and said, speak my words. And I said, yes, Lord. At age 19, the Spirit of God said, that woman named Carrie is going to be your wife. I said, yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord. That was an easy one. (laughs) At age 21, we married. We moved to Springfield, Missouri, 800 miles away from family. I went to Bible college. We were saying, yes, Lord, together. When I was 25 years of age, 1996, we moved to Omaha, Nebraska, where I was going to become the youth pastor, right? Yes, Lord, we're going to go to Omaha. In 2007, the Spirit of God made clear to me that I was to become the lead pastor of Good News Church. It wasn't on my radar, but the Spirit showed me. And I said, yes, Lord. And as I shared last week in in this year of 2018, just, just a number of weeks ago, not very long ago, The Spirit of God made very clear to me that it's my time to finish as the lead pastor here. And of course, what did I say? Yes, Lord. When Jesus is Lord, what other reply could you give him than yes? And so we're following the Lord once again in our journey. 
And how many of you know that when you say yes to the Lord, he brings all of his resources, all of his grace, all of his provision to meet your needs? Last week, as soon as I made the announcement that I was resigning as lead pastor, very interestingly, it began to rain outside. Now, I don't read into things. I'm not kind of, I'm trying not to be weird, you know. Um, But I know that God sometimes, he just does things to just encourage you and to let you know. When you say yes to the Lord, it begins to rain in your life. The dry seasons right, are over, something begins to happen. doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't mean it's that God makes it easy for you, right? But God brings rain. And here's what I, here's what I know God is going to do through this church. God doesn't need me to bring him to this place. He doesn't. He could use anybody. I know this next season that good news is moving into is going to be a rainy season, God's going to pour out his spirit in this place. It's going to blow your mind. God wants to do more over the next eight years in this church. Now it's the next seven than in the last 80 years combined. I know that the spirit of God spoke that to me. The influence that's going to come through this house is going to be huge. And it's going to be bigger than whoever stands behind this lectern and preaches every week. It's going to be much bigger than a man. Nobody will be able to stand up and take credit for it. And everybody's going to know that God is building his church called Good News in Omaha, Nebraska. Amen. So you're in a place in your life where maybe the Lord is asking you to do some things. And I want to say, step out in faith and say, yes, Lord. The provision will be there. Everything that you need will be there. So now I want to just say something I said last week, because if you weren't here last week, you need to hear this. You need to hear that uh, nobody pressured me to resign or at all. Nobody fired me, right? I've not been fired. I've not been asked to resign. I'm not leaving for a bigger and better opportunity. I'm not, I'm not looking for a job right now. I've not been offered a job. Uh, I have done nothing to disqualify me from spiritual leadership. I've not had an affair. And also, I should say this. I am not sick. I've, I've, people have been asking, are you sick? Are you ill? You know, are you dying? I'm not dying. I've been accused that I look like I'm dying, but I am not dying. I'm fine. uh, You know, so I just want to be clear on that. The spirit of God is moving us to move. He's leading us and we're saying, yes, Lord. And we know that the same spirit of God that brought us here in 1996, is calling us to go here in 2018. We know the same spirit. We recognize his voice and we follow. So if it's God's will for us to go, what does that mean? That's if we go. And that means it's God's will for someone to come as well. And understand that whoever God puts in place of leadership here is an under shepherd. Is an under shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd of his church. We're under shepherds. We're just stewards of what what the the ultimate shepherd Jesus is doing in his church. And I know that uh, you're in good hands. You've got great leadership in place. Our board of deacons and our interim pastor, Pastor Raphael Aristi, uh, they will do an amazing job of listening to the voice of wisdom and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And God will lead you. 
And I, I'm grateful that we have a church that recognize, recognizes that Jesus is the boss of his church. <laughs> I'm so glad you recognize this isn't your church. Say, this is not my church. All right, it's his. It's his. And I'm thankful that you realize that. And that's the one thing maybe that I've left with you that I feel like... Um, then I feel like I've been successful. As you come to recognize that the church doesn't belong to us, it belongs to him. So uh, last week after I shared, Carrie came up here and made you laugh, and made you cry, and she does what she does best. She influences you. And she said, you know, sometimes going through change is really tough, so you need to go out and put some extra whipped cream on your coffee, and you need to go get an Eileen's cookie with frosting on it and go out and, you know, just splurge is basically what she said. Well, you did it. You know, she got all these text messages later that day, and everybody's like, I'm eating this, I'm doing this, you know, I, I'm watching extra Netflix today, and, you know, I fed my dog a steak, and all this kind of crazy stuff. And it reminded me of how much influence that she really, really has. And so um, I want to just take a moment and just say uh, a huge thank you to my wife. I want to say, Carrie, thank you for saying yes, Lord, with me these last 26 years of marriage. We love you. Yeah. We honor you this morning, and I, I want to say that uh, I know that you have given up uh, a lot more than probably most people here realize to to say yes, Lord, with me over these years. Uh, I want I, I want to remind everybody if you don't know this, she always said that she would never marry a pastor, and she and the reason is she grew up in a pastor's home. She knows that. You know, comes with a, a price, right? And you can't really live a private life. And, you know, we, we value solitude in our home, but we can't live it out very well. And privacy, you know, and that's just part of being a pastor. So she said, I'm never going to marry a pastor's wife. Of course, then she met me. And that changed everything, right? And she said, yes, Lord, knowing that the Lord had called me. Um, you moved 800 miles away from your family so I could go to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri and after we married and... And uh, she worked full-time job while I was in Bible college. I worked part-time. She worked full-time to help pay things, pay for schooling. And, and so we could graduate with uh, the least amount of debt as possible. She had already graduated her under, by age 20. She was done with college, her undergraduate degree. And so now she's like serving and helping me um, accomplish what God had put in my heart. Um, we came to Omaha, Nebraska, and... Uh, you know, who knows where Omaha is, right? We had never been to Omaha. We thought we had to buy some cowboy boots or something to, to be youth pastors at Good News. We had no idea what we were in for. And uh, she never took any job here in Omaha initially. She didn't work at all because she considered it her, her job to help me succeed. And she knew that I needed all the help I could get. And um, so the church kind of had two for the price of one for quite a while. And she loved it. And she served so well in that way. Um, of course, we didn't have any kids when we came here in 1996. About a year later, uh, Carrie became pregnant with our oldest, Levi. And then two years later, there was Sam. And two years later, there was Ann. And thankfully, we didn't have triplets in the next two years, you know. Um, God gave us three amazing kids that you you uh, have raised in, in many ways um, 
I wouldn't say on your own, but I, I, I know that you have given so much to our kids. And uh, they're, in, they're incredibly intelligent, gifted, uh, lovers of Jesus, lovers of his church. You know, sometimes kids who grow up in church as a pastor's kid, they don't like church. Our kids love church. They love Good News Church. And my wife taught them the two most important lessons in life. Number one, never give up. And number two, mom is always right. You know, and, and so, you know, they're, they're ready for this world. They're going to succeed very well because of what mom has taught them. Last week, one of our deacons described me as uncommon, uncommon. And uh, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but if there's any truth to it, it's because I have a very uncommon wife who has been standing with me all of these years. And all of you know that my wife is very capable of standing on her own two feet. She doesn't need any prop up from her husband. She's very, uh, she's a very capable leader, uh, mother, and uh, and preacher as well. And she can preach like no other. And she can lead a youth ministry. And she can start a real women's conference that grows from nothing to several hundred women, and and is effectively reaching our city in that way. And uh, what I love about that real conference is, is it's real. And the reason it's so real is because my wife is so real. She, she lives that message. And I'm grateful that uh, so many women have discovered Jesus and good news and freedom to be themselves, freedom to be real because of your leadership. So thank you for, for that amazing contribution here at Good News. And so might I go on and on about my wife? Yes, absolutely. I think I will because I don't have the opportunity. I may not have one like this again. But um, as my wife has been, you know, being real with her kids and being real with the Good News Church here, she has also about six years ago now started pursuing her graduate studies at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. And uh, she is she is coming towards the finish And this next year. She's going to complete all of her graduate studies. And she she now has a, um, a master's degree in uh, personality and social psychology. And in May of next year, 2019, she will graduate with a doctorate in, uh, in developmental psychology. And she will be Dr. DeVries. And I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. So I won't be able to stand up here next May and say that's so almost say it here now in August. All right. So we, we rejoice in that. I want to say you are an uncommon gift. You are an uncommon gift. You've been a gift to to myself, to our amazing kids and to the good news family. And we thank God for the gift that he has allowed us all to open and enjoy over these years. And I want you to know that you are appreciated Carrie, you are loved and you are already missed, <laughs> already missed. And I've got a I've got a small little just little flower gift for you. Um, my wife likes wildflowers. She's never big roses fan. And, and I thank God for that, because wildflowers are more inexpensive than roses. And, and you know, and, and I choose to, I'm just teasing <clears throat> kind of, but not really. So. So <clears throat> wildflowers are appropriate for all the wild stories that you've told us and for watching those outdoor wild adventure shows with me and pretending that you enjoy them uh, and also for saying yes, Lord, to the next wild adventure that we are on. So love you. Thank you. So.
So we've been we've had some questions asked. Uh, you know, we talk about Abram, and we know that Abram was was called to leave his his country and and to go and to the land that God would show him. But Abraham was going and not really knowing. And and we're doing the same. We know God is leading us to go, but we don't know where He's leading us to. And so um, we are embracing the future because we've embraced God. And I want to encourage you to do the same. You don't have to understand God's ways. You don't have to even understand God. He doesn't expect you to understand him. He's asking you to trust him. Trust him. Trust his sovereignty and trust his goodness. Amen. And so we're on this journey and we've had a a number of people ask, um, you know, will you continue to live in Omaha after September the 9th? And the answer is yes, we will continue to live in Omaha until God shows us what our next assignment in the kingdom will be. And if it leads us outside of Omaha, we will move. If if my next kingdom assignment is in Omaha in some way, um, then we will stay in Omaha. I'm not pastoring a church uh, in Omaha outside of good news, right? I'm not planting a church. So I don't know what that could look like. People ask me, well, what are you going to do, Pastor Walt, when you're no longer the lead pastor? And I'm going to say this. What would you do after 22 years? I'm going to take a little break. And I'm not going to feel guilty about it. You know, I'm going I'm to rest a little. I'm going to have personal retreat. And uh, I'm going to go see my family up in Michigan, my parents. Uh, uh, I think they would really enjoy some time with me. So I'm going to do some of that. And uh, and then I'm going to pray, God, what is the next place? What's the next assignment for me in your kingdom? And uh, in the meantime, I'll probably be looking for a job because angels don't pay the bills. <laughs> All right. So and we know the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Maybe it'll be marketplace ministry. Maybe it'll be church place ministry. Maybe it'll be missions. I don't know. And I don't need to know right now. I'm thankful for that. Uh, will we continue to attend good news? No, we will not continue. And here's why. You need to connect to new leadership. Okay? And you need to disconnect from our leadership. If you see us every Sunday, it's going to be hard for you to disconnect from us and connect to new leadership. So we are not going to be attending good news. Where will we be attending? Uh, What church will we be attending? All of them. All of them. I told our kids, I said, you know, we're going to do what we we encourage nobody to do. And that is we're going to go church hopping. We're going to go church hopping. And we're going to see what God's doing in our city. And you won't be able to follow us because we're not going to say, hey, we're going here this week. We're going there because you're going to go here. This is where you're going to be, right? That's a good place to say amen. Amen. You're going to be here. You're going to be encountering God here and getting equipped to go right here at Good News. This is where God has planted you. And so this is what we're doing. And so our kids, they're young adults. They're big enough to choose where they go. And they've decided they want to continue to to attend worship here at Good News and serve here. And that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And so you can ask them how your parents are doing, how are they doing? But don't ask them every Sunday. OK. OK. All right. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, did I cover everything so far? Yeah, I told you what I know and I and I can't tell you what I don't know. So three weeks ago, I preached a message entitled who's following who who's following who. And I didn't realize at that time how real and how personal that message would become. Because at the time I preached that message, uh, I I didn't know God was calling us to finish. And in that message, I I asked a question. Uh, And the question was, will you follow Jesus into his suffering? 
And will you follow Jesus into his dying? Doesn't sound like a very encouraging message, right? And will you follow Jesus with an undivided loyalty? And then the last point was, will you follow Jesus into his future? I had no idea that within just a week or two, God would be leading my heart to do something um, that I didn't imagine I would do. And I want to pause and I want to pick up, I want to, for just the next 10 minutes, short message, somebody say amen. The rest of it was just, you know, journey. Short message. Uh, I want to ask the, the most important question that you could ever ask. And that question is, who are you following? Who are you following? When I think about that, I think there's really a few different options that we have when we answer the question, who are you following? It's quite possible that you could be following you. You could be following you. It's also possible that you could be following somebody else, another person. It's also very possible for you to ask Jesus to follow you, right? And then, of course, there is the the last option, which is the God option, and that is I have decided to follow Jesus. So um, have I been perfect in my following of Jesus? Absolutely not. There are seasons in my life where I think I've been following me more than following him. And there are seasons in my life where I would I was following a man more than really following Jesus. And I was really more interested, you know, in what that person had to say. And and that was my go to. And I had to go to that person to 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 get affirmation and to get direction How many of you know what I'm talking about? And that person, that individual became everything in my life to me. And what that person said was gold. And and that was it, right? And I'd put that person, and that's, I've had a number of people in my life. I've put them up on a pedestal as an idol, you know. And there are also seasons in my life where I've just kind of been on my own, doing my thing, and asking Jesus to follow me and bless what I'm doing. And none of those are following Jesus. So I want to ask the question. I want to ask the question. Who are you following? Who are you following? Are you following you? I don't know. Am I following me? How can you know if you are following you? You can know if you're following you. If you're the big piece of you know what. That the world revolves around. Can I say it nicely? The world revolves. The universe revolves around you. Everything is about you. Okay. Everything's about you. And and I like to call it Christian narcissism. Okay. The world exists for you. Other people in your life, they exist for you to serve you. Your wife is there to serve you, right? Jesus exists for you. Christian narcissism. And anything that interrupts your plans, right? And your comforts and your dreams in this life for a better life, they can't be from God if they're interrupting those plans. They can't be from God. They must be from the devil. And we sometimes have that attitude, right? And, and I say that's 21st century Christian narcissism, and you won't find that in first century Christianity. Who are you following? Are you following you? You won't find this idea of Christian narcissism. You won't find it in the Gospels. And you won't find it in Paul's letters to the churches of the first century. Why? Because it's anti-Christ. 
It's antichrist at its core. And it slips into our culture, into our humanistic culture and our consumeristic culture. And Jesus is here for me. Right. And really what we're doing is we're not following Jesus. We're following me. We're following me. If your filter is how is this going to impact my life, then you are not following Christ. You are following you. And we naturally filter everything. How's this going to impact me? How much time is this going to take? How much is this going to cost me? How uncomfortable is this going to make me? It's not the right filter. The filter needs to be, what does Jesus have to say about this? What is he asking? Who are you following? Are you following others? Are you following others? How can you know if you are following others? Well, one of the, the easiest ways to know if you're following somebody else is when that, other, when that person like leaves or disappears or something happens to that relationship and you're, following up, and you're falling apart, then you know that you're probably following somebody else. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? That person in your life that was your mentor or that teacher or, you know, your parent perhaps even. Um, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a pastor. You know, when that person leaves or that relationship changes and your life begins to fall apart, then perhaps you're not following Jesus as much as you thought. Maybe you're following another person. And interestingly enough, uh, the Apostle Paul, he, he addressed this, this following other concern with the Corinthian church. Uh, the church in Corinth, um, they were following after a man. And they started arguing and they were fighting and there were all this stuff going on. And he said, hey, time out, time out. And he gave some wisdom. And I want to read it to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul said this to the church in Corinth. He said, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? And then he says this, I love this. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? They're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. He said, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Whew. So neither, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. I sure hope you're not following me. I hope I've trained you better than that. I hope you're following Jesus. I really do. And I, you know what? I believe that's, I believe that's true. We've never made it about a man here. I am not the super pastor. And I never will be. And I thank God for that. I thank God that you are following Jesus this morning. And, and it could be that um, you realize, you know what? I'm probably putting too much, allowing a certain person to have too much influence in my life. You know, what do you do with that? Confess it. Say, God, forgive me. For following that person's voice more than your voice. How else can you know if you are following others? Well, when you care way too much about what other people think and say about you. When you care way too much about what other people have to say about you. You know, everybody has an opinion. Have you noticed that? 
Social media has, you know, it, it just puts it right out there. So if you have an opinion, praise God you have a place to share it, right? <laughs> Even if people don't care a hoot about it, you know, you can just share it. Get it off your mind, get it off your heart, just put it out there. And uh, so everybody has an opinion, and Christians, of course, not us, but other Christians, you know, <laughs> they... um they have opinions and and they think their opinion is God's opinion and therefore must be your opinion. And if you don't agree, then you don't agree with God. You know, I mean, this is this is the kind of world we live in. And at some point you have to decide, you know what? I don't care what that other person has to say. You know, I, I don't care. I'm not going to let their opinions of me shape who I am. I am not following them. Right. I'm following Jesus. Right. There are going to be people in your life who who will speak to you with loud and powerful voices. Okay, and they may do it for different reasons. They may try to control or try to manipulate you. You have to say, you know, what? I'm going to draw a line in the sand and this is a boundary right here. And you're not going to cross this boundary. You're not Jesus to me. And you're not I'm not following you. I appreciate you, but I follow Jesus, you know. And can I say this? Not everybody is going to like you if you're if you follow Jesus. Not everybody's going to like you if you follow Jesus, especially Christians. Not everybody agrees with how I'm following Jesus right now. And some Christians, too. And I understand that there's a lot of feelings wrapped up in in this transition. What's going on? I get that. But what I so appreciate is when people say, you know what, Pastor, I love how you've you've leaned in and you've listened and you're following the voice of God and you're following Jesus. I don't like it. But I support you in your following of Jesus. I love that. And I thank God for that. Who are you following? Are you following you? Does the world revolve around you, right? Does the world, does Jesus exist to serve you? Who are you following? Are you following others? Do they have so much influence in your life that if if they no longer are in your life, you are crushed? Maybe you're following a person. Who are you following? Are you asking Jesus to follow you? How can you know? I think one of the ways you can know is by how you pray. Listen to yourself pray. If your prayers are filled with take, take this cup of suffering from me. If your prayers are, are just filled with bail me out, bail me out, bail me. Out. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? If that's all your prayers are, maybe what's happening is you're not following Jesus as much as you're asking Jesus to follow you. I got I got, come on over here. <laughs> right. And sometimes we, we we can we can do this. We can we can do this really easily, you know, and I, I don't mean to, to step on anybody's toes here, but maybe the spirit of God is speak. He Jesus is not a lucky charm we can pull out of our pocket when we run into a crisis. You know, he, he, he's not like, you know, you know, like, you know, entertainment TV on demand kind of a thing. We can just call him up and there he is. And here we go. And, you know, he's not like Facebook. He's not going to follow you. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom, right? And I think sometimes we have to we have to pause the we have to pause our life and ask the question: Who's following who here? 
And Jesus does want to bless you and he wants to pour out all kinds of power and healing and salvation and incredible gifts and grace and all of that. I'm all about that because that's God. He's a good God and he gives good gifts to his children. But sometimes he asks us to do something that's difficult. That's untimely for us. That's out of our wheelhouse. That's that just we didn't have it on our radar. And God will ask you to do something and and it may not make sense, but you know, it's God. And in that moment, you have to say, Jesus, I will follow you. I will follow you. And there was a point when Jesus, he cried out to the father in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, also called the Mount of Olives. There was olive trees everywhere and they would harvest the olives and they would crush these olives and so that this new oil could come out. Just like in a vineyard, they would crush the grape and right and, and this new wine, this process of new wine would begin. And here Jesus is in this garden and he's praying about what's ahead of him. The cross is, is the cross. Uh, the crucifixion is just hours ahead of him. He knows what God is asking him to do. And he says, Father, if you are willing, you can remove this cup from me. He prayed that honest prayer just like we do, but he didn't end it there. He finished his prayer with yet not my will, but your will be done. How could we know if we're following Jesus? How we pray. God is a good God. He expects you to pray prayers like remove this cup from me. But when we're following him, he also, I think, modeled to us, finish the prayer. Yet not my will, but your will be done. How can you know if you're following Jesus? You can know if you're following Jesus by the fruit that you bear from your life. How many of you know the fruit doesn't lie? The fruit cannot lie. A good tree bears good fruit. An apple tree bears apples. We are People who have the spirit of God filled with the spirit of God. And the Bible says we should have the fruit of the spirit flowing out of our lives. How can you know if you're following Jesus by the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. I got to put my glasses on. (laughs) Kindness. I don't like that one. Goodness, faithfulness. Right? Gentleness, self-control against such things, there's no law. See, it's not that difficult to know if you're following Jesus. Also, by what you spend your life on. And we'll close with this. Jesus said this. He said, uh, if any man would come after me. If any man, any person would come after me. Let him deny himself. And take up his cross. Daily and follow me. How many of you know every one of us in our following of Jesus has a cross to carry? I don't know what your cross is, right? It's very personal. Everybody has a cross to carry. Everybody comes to a place in their life when God asks them to do something that they don't really want to do. Jesus was there, I'm there, and you're there too. A guy by the name of Dave Wurtzen, 
Wartzine in his daily devotional called True Grit. He wrote this. He said, when we follow him, God will sooner or later ask us to do something we don't want to do, to go someplace we don't want to go. And maybe his ask will come through a nudge or through a thought in prayer. Maybe it will come as a prompt while reading scripture. Or maybe it will come through the encouraging or challenging words of a friend. However it comes, it will come. It will come. And after he he writes and says, after visiting Ephesus and Macedonia, the Apostle Paul, he got an ask from God, the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. It's in Acts chapter 19, verse 21. And the Spirit warned Paul. However, if he went there, he would be arrested. He'd be arrested. And Paul's friends, they begged him not to go. Please don't go, please. And Paul answered, what are you doing? You're weeping and you're breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but to even die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had an ask. The Holy Spirit. He heard the Holy Spirit ask him to do something. And in that moment, he had to decide, who am I going to follow? Am I going to follow Paul? Am I going to follow my friends? Or am I going to follow Jesus? What he's asking me to do. I want you to bow your heads with me as we get ready to close. And I want to ask you the question here today as your heads are bowed. Many of you are getting an ask, I believe, from the Holy Spirit. And it's some for some of you, it's happening right here in this moment. The Holy Spirit is, is leading you to do something. For some of you, it's an ongoing ask. It's not going away kind of an ask. And the question is, what are you going to do with the ask? Who are you going to follow? You're in the garden like Jesus. You're wrestling. You know what God's asking you to do. And you have to decide, am I going to follow me? Am I going to follow what others want? Or am I going to follow Jesus? And if you're getting an ask from the Holy Spirit, I want you to stand right where you're at in your seat. Just stand if you know the Spirit's asking you to do something. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I want to ask you to stand because I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here as well and you realize that, man, you've been following you more than you've been following Jesus. Or you've been following others more than Jesus. Or you've been asking Jesus to follow you around and bless everything, right? And you realize that's you and you want you want to turn from that today. And you want to say, Jesus, that's sin. I repent of that. Forgive me, please. I want to follow you with my whole heart. If that's you, stand to your feet today and I want to pray with you. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the ask. Thank you, God, for all those who are standing that are hearing you speak to them. God, they're saying today, I want to follow what you're asking me to do. I say, yes, Lord. And God, I thank you that as they're saying yes this morning, no matter how difficult they ask, there's going to be plenty of grace. There's going to be plenty of favor to accomplish what you're asking them to do. So together, Lord, we say, yes, Lord. And God, for those who are standing and saying, you know what? I've I've been following me or others or asking Jesus to follow me more than I've been following Jesus. Lord, we repent together as a body and we say, Lord, would you forgive us? for being selfish, for being so narcissistic, 
for being so influenced by what other people have to say. God, help us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. God, I pray for blessing on this congregation. God, I pray that you would continue to bless this church with ears to hear what your spirit is saying to each one of us and to us as a collective body. God, enable this church, enable your servants, your sons and daughters, God, to embrace your will wholeheartedly, whatever the cost, because you are worthy. You are worthy of it all, Lord. So, Lord, today, in the crushing and in the pressing, we know that you are making new wine. You're bringing about new wine out of your followers today. Thank you, God. Bless you.